The Media Rumble is back. In the second edition, we bring together news professionals, policy makers, investors, tech innovators from all over the world. It's where we discuss the future of news. It's where we talk about all facets of the news ecosystem. This year, we are set to make the Media Rumble Asia's premier media forum. There'll be professionals from some of the world's leading news organizations. Masterclasses on data journalism, on animation, illustration, storytelling. A convoy of 14 international speakers, filmmakers, satirists, all under one roof. Come, rumble at the Media Rumble, August 3rd and August 4th, 2018 at India Habitat Centre, New Delhi. Entry is free for our News Laundry subscribers and Mufat Khors, register now. Seats are filling up fast, so log on to www.themediarumble.com. See you there. This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Just Sports. Hello and welcome to Just Sports, your weekly roundup of all that happens in the world of sports. Unfortunately, because of Mr. Puri's busy schedule, we haven't been with you every week. And I have only Mr. Rahul Puri to blame for it. Mr. Puri, how are you, sir? I am very well, Mr. Khan. And uh, yes, I do agree. Um, My schedule has been a little bit haywire over the last couple of weeks. So... Apologies for that. Not at all, sir. Not at all. Not at all. We just... It's been a little busy for both of us. So, yeah, we've been a little caught up. But we are back again. And we promise that we will make all our best efforts to be there every week with you. So, let's start without wasting any time. Because we have a lot to talk about, actually. We have the World Cup to talk about. And we have Wimbledon. Because we have a new champion at Wimbledon. And... uh, these two things will take up most of our time. So let's start with the World Cup, Mr. Puri. France, you and I got that one right. Let's pat our bags about it. We had said France right from the very beginning. We absolutely did. I mean, that they were the, they were the tip. And I think that when, if you objectively look at the, the squads, even at the start of the tournament, theirs was uh, far and away the, the best squad out there. And, uh, you know, they, it, it proved true. They, uh, they, they stood through, they stood firm, and they won. And I think, you know, even though um, there was a lot of uh, outcry at the end of uh, how unlucky Croatia were and how well Croatia played, I, I think that... France were deserved winners of the World Cup. They were by far the best. They were not by far, but they were the best team in the tournament. They were the best team, Rahul. And I think the one thing that people need to understand, and it goes back to our discussion that we keep having all the time between beautiful football and effective football. I think France was the only team or one of the teams that actually combined the two very well. When they needed to play the attacking beautiful football, they actually went out there and destroyed a team like Argentina. And when they had to play the defensive game and they had to hold on to a lead, they did that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I think that I I said earlier on in the tournament that my one concern about France was uh, they weren't going to be uh, particularly attacking because uh, Deschamps um, is not a particularly attacking manager. But, um, you know, in the game against uh, Argentina um, and uh, certainly against Croatia in the final, I think you saw all the attacking flair that France have and they are blessed with... Uh, so much uh, attacking talent going forward and uh, when they needed to be very strong and very solid and and very robust uh, they were absolutely that uh, in the quarterfinals and uh, the round of uh, and the semi-finals and uh, so you saw two sides of the of the of France and I think that 
that really makes them uh, deserved winners of the tournament. But coming to the finals, Rahul, I mean, if one was to look at purely as a game at the finals, there can be made an argument that Croatia, Croatia was unlucky. I mean, they were truly unlucky with two bad refereeing decisions. Absolutely. I mean, they were, they were, they were certainly, Croatia was certainly, uh, I, I would even go as far as saying that they were probably the better side in the, in, in the final. Uh, they, were, they were desperately unlucky uh, with the penalty. I, I don't think it was a penalty. I, I know there was a lot of discussion on the penalty, Rahul, I mean, one way to look at it is the referee had a good look at it. I mean, you and I can think what we want, but it's actually the referee of the day that decides. I, 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 like I said, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not berating the referee. I saw a lot of uh, tweets that were berating the referee. I, I don't think that he uh, should be berated. He took a lot of time uh, to make the decision, and that was his point of view, and fair enough. My point of view was slightly counter to that. I, I don't think it was a penalty, but... Uh, you know, the penalty stood, and, and, and fair enough. After that, honestly, I think that uh, in the second half, I really think that Croatia's uh, legs went a little bit. Um, you know, they had played a whole 90 minutes more than France, and, and you know, uh, France finally managed to, to get Mbappe into the, into the game. Um, and uh, I think that both the, the, the third and, uh, and the fourth goals uh, for France were direct results of of his direct running. You know, and also the one thing that, you know, came out in the in the final, Rahul, I mean, let's be honest about it, is the fact that VR, VAR, I mean, the first, the first free kick should never have happened. And if you have VAR, and if, if the replay shows you clearly, and if the audience can see it, so can the referee. You know, I mean, that I think was a little ridiculous. No, I mean, no and I think that, you know, this was, is my, this is my issue with VAR, I mean, you know, if VAR is there, then what, why can't it be used uh, across? Uh, you know, either it's going to be used completely or or or, or not at all. Uh, it just seems to me that VAR is being used uh, only in sort of strategic moments and not in others. I mean, the first free kick, for instance, uh, I, I don't think anybody even bothered to, to, to think, let's have a look at it at, at VAR. And, and I don't think there's any precedent of... Uh... The point I'm trying to make, Rahul, is that, I mean, it's not about saying, let's have a look at VAR. I mean, you could immediately see from the replay that it was a dive. And... I think the whole idea of a VAR should be that if a bad call has been made on the ground, you should have the ability to turn it around. Because but that's exactly that's what I'm trying to say. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is, is that I think at the moment the, 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 the referees in the VAR box are being told, you know, to make a, a, a noise about certain incidents and, and not about certain incidents. And the point is in football, you never know what leads to something. And so that inconsistency, I think, needs to be sorted out. I think that is something that the, the, the governing council or the governing body, FIFA and the refereeing council, need to have a solid look at, Rahul, because, you know, at the end of the day, a bad decision like that can change the course of the match. And that's what we saw in the finals. That's what we actually saw in the finals. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if it, it changed the course of the match. I mean, uh, yeah, France got certainly got quite lucky with their first two goals you know but that's a lot Rahul I mean at the end of the day Croatia were dominating and they were they, they were playing very well but you know Croatia had chances and they didn't take them and you know sometimes that's how it goes in football uh, I don't think that anybody can make an argument that, that Croatia didn't deserve more um, from that game I certainly think they did deserve more but 
you know, I personally have the opinion that sometimes you don't get what you deserve. Certainly in football, you don't. And I think this was one of those matches. And absolutely. And I don't think we can take away from the fact that, you know, France were deserving winners because they played exceptionally well through the whole course of the tournament. So I think that that goes without saying. Yeah, they were, I mean, France and Belgium, according to me, were the best two teams in the tournament. Uh, they met, unfortunately, in the semi-final and, and not the final. And, uh, you know, Croatia, I think, were were resilient. I, I think that, you know, a lot of their brand uh, came from the fact that they refused to sort of lose in in uh, situations that were, came came on them. But I do think that uh, uh, the final was a step too far for them. Absolutely, Rahul. And, and I think it's been a World Cup where you did not have any one individual glorious player. I mean, let's be honest about that. We didn't see that one moment of brilliance. Yes, you had the moderates, you had Harry Kane, who won the golden boot for scoring three penalties. I mean, that's also another way. But the big stars didn't turn up at the World Cup. And it was it was, it was was bereft of that individual brilliance that you would normally expect a World Cup to bring out of the top players. No, I think, I think it's fair to say that it was a great World Cup. And, and it was a genuinely great World Cup. But the quality of football wasn't perhaps the greatest. Um, uh, and, and sometimes that can happen. I don't think that there is a you know, a really great side. You know, France at the moment are a very good side. I, I don't think they're a great side. I, I think they can be a great side, um, but I don't think they are yet. And I think that this World Cup is uh, an example of, of just how football is going. Definitely the gap between um, sort of the haloed na- football nations and the smaller football nations, that gap is closing. And this World Cup was a perfect example of that. I mean, we had a whole host of upsets, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that it made for a very, very exciting tournament. And uh, it, it needed to be because, you know, international football um, has been struggling a bit over the last couple of years. And this tournament, I think, has been a real redemption for that. Absolutely, Rahul. And, and I think France have now won it, so now they're world champions for the next four years. And I don't see, I mean, there is a very strong chance that they might be Euro champions in two years' time. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, a lot was made when England got knocked out of of how young this English side is and, and how they can go on to sort of bigger and better things. I think that's worth double for France. I mean, you know, you look at their side, they're also got a lot of young players and, uh, you know, those young players are going to be that much better uh, in two years and, uh, you know, that much better in four years. So uh, I don't, I, I see, you know, possibilities that this French side can go on to emulate the last French side that won uh, the World Cup when they won uh, the European Championships right after winning the World Cup. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that's it about the World Cup. The fever is over. Football will take a break for about a month before we come back with the Premier League. So I think it's going to be transfer time now, Rahul. I think it's going to be a really busy one month of transfer windows. I mean, it's going to be really, really busy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the first domino is gone. I think Ronaldo going from Real to uh, Juventus is that first domino. Um, now Real, of course, have got uh, you know a huge chunk of change in their pocket, and they're going to need to buy somebody. It looks like it might be Hazard. Uh, if he goes, then Chelsea are going to need somebody. So you know that domino effect of players moving around. 
um, is going to mean that um, it's going to be a very busy one-month period um, leading up to the start of the Premiership. It will, it will. And I mean, that, that's something that we'll keep talking about in our podcast and we'll keep you know, giving our point of view on it. But that's all for football for the moment and moving on to tennis. I mean, Wimbledon also has a new champion, Novak Djokovic. I mean, that's, it's a great story, Raul, and he's been out of, he's been out of form. He's been, you know, a lot of stuff has been said about him and he's back to where he, I think, kind of belongs. He's back to being the Wimbledon champion. I mean, he beat Nadal in a superb semi-final. I mean, Anderson, I think, had two long matches. I mean, actually played... If you look at it, I mean, 24-22 equals to almost like four sets in a regular tennis match. You know, it could have been... No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, for, for, firstly on, on Djokovic, I think it was a real redemption uh, for him. He's had a wretched yeah, couple of years. Yeah, it's been a real redemption for him. Yeah, he's had a wretched couple of years. Um, injuries, lack of motivation, loss of form. Uh, I'd seen him slip down the rankings, but he's still, I mean, you know, this was a man that, you know, dominated tennis and, and dominated Federer and Nadal, you know. Um, uh, so this is a guy that now has 13 Grand Slams. He's got four Wimbledon championships. He knows how to play tennis. And, uh, you know, I think he's only... I think he's... And he's got, he's also got age on his side more than Federer and Nadal. So, I mean, if he comes back to his best... He could dominate for the next, you know, two or three years, Raul. No, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it, it was just a question of whether he was going to get his head right, um, which, you know, he did as the tournament went on. Um, Nadal, um, and not, Djokovic got better and better as the, the tournament went on. And, and by the time he was playing Nadal, he very much was the Djokovic of old, um, uh, a very sort of, you know, counter-punching uh, god. And thankfully, you know, the, the, the weather supported him also because, um, you know, it was very warm and very dry. Um, and Djokovic could just sit on the backcourt like he likes to do. And, uh, I mean, he was superb. I mean, that game against Nadal, that, that semi-final. Yeah, he was superb. And, I mean, I don't discount him going on to win the U.S. Open now because he's got momentum on his side. And, you know, the U.S. surface, you know, suits a Djokovic kind of game. The weather will suit him. So, you know, he could come back and win back-to-back Grand Slam titles. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, Federer won Australia. Nadal's won uh, the French. And now Djokovic won Wimbledon. So, yeah, let's see. Um, you know, all three of them. And, and Murray is saying that he's going to be back in the U.S. Open. So, yeah, I mean, the U.S. Open is now something really to look forward to. I do want to spare a minute to talk about about Anderson. I, I really felt sorry for him. You know, he uh, had that amazing win against Federer in the quarterfinals, and then of course in the semis, he he played that epic game uh, against Isner. But he was absolutely shot by the time he came out against Djokovic. And you know, I think yeah, I think he was just shot. I mean, you, you could know, see it. You I could see it. You could see it in the finals round. I mean, he was just he was just too tired. Yeah, and I, and I think that there, there's something that you know, it's a conversation that needs to happen in tennis about these fifth setter marathon games because I, I think they are becoming quite unfair now to to the player that play, plays in it, and because the, you know. Some might say that, oh, well, Djokovic also played a long game against uh, Nadal. Fair enough, but Djokovic's game was over two days. You know, Anderson played all his in one day, and it was, uh, you can absolutely see how it was sapping for him. And uh, I, I do, I have a lot of sympathy for him. Well, but that's the way the ball rolls, and um, Djokovic is the new champion. On the women's game, I mean, hats off to Serena Williams for, for making it till the finals. You know, it's a great story, but she just could not cross the final hurdle. 
But she's here to stay. I mean, I don't yeah, see her going away. Did. No, again, I mean, I think Angelique Kerber, that's a, that's a wonderful story because, again, you know, she was a, a, a girl that won, she won America, then she won the Australian Open, got to number one in the world, and then absolutely collapsed uh, from then, and she's had a horrific 18 months. But again, uh, sort of clawed her way back, got better and better as the tournament went on, and uh, she played brilliantly against Serena. I mean, she played an absolute perfect game against Serena. Yeah, and, she, she uh, played brilliantly. And, you know, she deserves, she deserves to win. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and for Serena, I think, you know, it's her first uh, or her third tournament back or her fourth tournament back or whatever it is. It's just such a great milestone for her. She's such an inspiration. She's such a, a legend uh, that, you know, you have no doubts that at some point she'll come back. You have no doubts. Serena Williams is one of the greats of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you have no doubts that there is... Yeah, she's one of the greats of the game, right? Yeah, that there's another Grand Slam in, in her kitty. It's just a matter of time. And, uh, you know, she's so gracious. She was so gracious at the end of the match. Yeah, I just love watching her. She's fabulous. Yep, I think it'll be the US Open. I think Serena will win the US Open this year. That would be lovely. I think that would be, that would be absolutely lovely if she does. Yeah, that would be fitting. That would be fitting for her also to just become the greatest of all time. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have time for on Just Sports. I will not keep Mr. Puri. He's got students waiting for him and he has to go back to giving them a dose of the real world. Mr. Puri, I hope you treat them well and gentle. Sir, I always treat people well. I treat you so well. That's all we have time for on Just Sports. Mr. Puri, I shall see you next week and let's promise our listeners that we will try our level best to come back every week and not take a break and give them their weekly dose of all that happens in the world of sports. Absolutely. Okay, and thank you very much. This is Rahul Puri and me, Samar Khan, signing off. You keep listening, keep writing in to us. Thank you, Mr. Khan. And we'll cover everything that happens in the world of sports. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.